0: You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more.
1: You're listening to Smashed from The Ensemblist, the only podcast that shows you Broadway from the inside out. I'm Aaron Albano.
2: And I'm Mo Brady.
1: Welcome back, listeners, to our tongue-in-cheek recap of what is television's most detailed depiction of the theater industry. And yes, we're still talking about Smash, the NBC series that chronicled the creation of not one, but two Broadway musicals,
2: and all of the drama that ensued along the way. We're going back episode by episode to see how this supposed love letter to Broadway has held up over the last decade. In each podcast episode, we're looking to find the answers to these three questions. Did it represent Broadway then?
1: Does it represent Broadway now? And is it any good? So
2: let's dive in and talk about episode six of season two, The Fringe. Aaron, give us the stats.
1: (laughs) The Fringe premiered on March 12th, 2013. It was written by Julia Brownell and directed by Dan Lerner, two more newcomers to the Smash family. The viewership was up this week. Yay! (laughs) Mo! it was up. People watched.
2: (laughs) Is this the first time that's happened? (laughs) Possibly. (laughs) Possibly.
1: Up 220,000 from the previous episode, The Fringe was seen by 2.9 million viewers. We saw three songs and a reprise this week, one of which was a cover of This Will Be Our Year by the Zombies, sung by the Hit List cast. The other two and a half were original songs from all three of our musicals. Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman delivered us a reprise of Never Give All the Heart from Bombshell, and a glitter and be gay-inspired number from liaisons called A Letter from Cecile. Lastly, from Hit List, we got a new song called Heart-Shaped Wreckage, written by Julian Emery, John Green, James Lawrence Irvin, and Lucy Silvis.
2: Everybody wrote it. Everybody. <laughs> and what happened at the Fringe, Mo? Hitlist has booked a spot in the Winter Fringe Festival after all. It's only two presentations in a shoebox, but Jimmy is convinced Hitlist is good enough to outshine the venue. Which is good because the show gets picked up by Time Out and a bunch of theater people RSVP'd. Back at Bombshell, Eileen has decided to produce the dynamic Technicolor fantasy that Tom and Jerry prefer, much to the chagrin of Julia and Derek. Karen is all lined up to star in the Hit List presentation, but Jerry can't be introducing Karen Cartwright if she's already been introduced at the Winter Fringe, which leaves Jimmy, Kyle, and the rest of the Fringe crew understandably ticked off about Karen's backing out. At a coffee clutch in Madison Square Park, Ivy tells Derek that Terry Falls continues to derail liaisons into a farce. But he replies that standing out as good in a bad show is a time-honored theater tradition and to follow her instincts. She spices up the production's press preview by adding her own brand of humor. But her good work threatens Terry Falls. Only in an 11th hour company meeting does Terry have the balls to invite the company to tell him how bad liaisons really is. Bombshell's new producer, Jerry Rand, continues to meddle with Julia's script, suggesting they cut the intellectual downer of a song, Never Give All the Heart. He and Eileen give Tom a challenge, change it into an uplifting song that makes them feel something in the next 24 hours. The composer puts a new spin on it, making it a cautionary tale, empowered instead of wistful, but Tom's direction puts Derek over the edge, which makes him quit the show and storm out of rehearsal. And Eileen loves Tom's work enough to crown Tom Bombshell's new director. Derek's departure from Hitlist frees up Karen to perform in the second night of Hitlist at The Fringe, as well as making Derek available to watch her in it. The director is taken by the show and the performances of both Karen and Jimmy. So is Scott Nichols, artistic director at Manhattan Theatre Workshop, who says the show is actually just the kind of project he is looking for.
0: A whoohooer, a hand clap or a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
2: How'd you like this episode, though? Um, it wasn't my favorite, but okay. it's getting us somewhere. Sure. What did you think?
1: I would agree with all of those words. (laughs) (laughs) Not my favorite. Getting us somewhere. It's like an interstitial episode. I mean, it's making me very passionate. It's making me very... It's giving me a lot of visceral reactions. I want
2: to kill Jerry Rand. You know, I'm thinking back. and thinking back to your musical synopsis. Mm -hmm. I feel like liaison songs are just a giant detour from the trajectory of this piece. Well, I was wondering because... Because I remember last episode, we... Did we say it wasn't a musical? We because thought it was a play. I, I, Both
1: of us thought it was a play. And then I'm remembering when Ivy was auditioning for it, she went to Tom's house to ask for the cast recording. And I was yeah. like, oh, this is a musical. Cool. This is
2: a musical. They've been telling us it's a musical the whole time. And, yet. <laughs> and I just
1: didn't. Um, <laughs> I loved the song. I thought the song was very... I mean, it showed... A, it showed Megan's range. B, it showed a style of music that I don't think I've ever heard Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman write before.
2: Yeah, sure. It was definitely
1: another moment of like the show sort of telling us she was really, really good, which she was, but it definitely projected that like she brought the house down with one foul swoop. Yes. Yeah. Uh,
2: similarly to Derek's imagined version of Heart Shape Wreckage, which like turns it into this like incredible production, but in my mind it's kind of like mm, I don't know if that's a great song. And it doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't go anywhere. <clears throat>
1: well, none of the Hitler songs really go anywhere, do they? N- no, they don't. But All I right. did love I did love the throwback. What did it look like? It looked like I feel like it was very reminiscent of Labo M.
2: Oh yeah. At least all the ads for Labo M. Yeah, because all the ads for the Baslerman Labo M had that big red title treatment that looks like the pepsi cola sign Mm -hmm. smash loves a long island city pepsi cola sign like they are like smash is trying to convince us that the center of the theater district is madison square park and that the most iconic landmark in new york city is actually the pepsi cola sign in long Island Long island city get off the seven and you're there so Smash is definitely doing a better job of sort of grounding itself, both in New York and Broadway, right? We're getting all of these outdoor scenes in New York City, and it's also referencing Broadway in all of these ways, right? Yes. Like Tom says, it's not like we have the problems Wicked had. Nine years later, it's still one of the highest grossing shows on Broadway.
1: <laughs> Which, yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes. But I was thinking, like, wow, Tom, drag Wicked. <laughs> Guaranteed, none of the, like, target audience in the middle of the country know anything about
2: Wicked? You don't think people in the middle of the country know what Wicked is?
1: No, they know what Wicked is. They didn't know that Wicked had all these problems at the beginning.
2: Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay, so it, for for my dad who is listening, what were the problems that Wicked had? I feel like it famously had a lot of problems out of town.
1: Like, the show that was in San Francisco was very different from the show that ended up on Broadway. Like the entire um, Which Way's the Party number that Fierro used to have was completely scrapped and became a dancing through life in the Broadway company, in the Broadway show. If you look at Broadway, the American musical, the DVD oh, documentary on PBS, um, all of that footage is Which Way's the Party because all of that coverage was from the rehearsals. For the out-of-town tryout in San Francisco. Um, sure, yeah, so I, 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 I also remember, like, I think it's the show in San Francisco was a lot closer to the Gregory Maguire novel than the show ended up being. Like a Right, lot, like, which
2: is a lot more political and a lot more sort of dark.
1: Yeah, characters died, like characters... Went different directions. It was darker and more... It was more
2: true to the ta-
1: to yes. the source
2: material. Yes, correct. And I think that Wicked is known for being sort of a teen girl musical, right? It's a, yeah. The thing that we see on Broadway now is very sweet and very nice. Yes, yes. The folklore in the theater industry is that it took a lot of work to get it from a political novel to America's favorite musical.
1: Okay. I get, I, yeah, I can see that.
2: What did you think of this spiced up version of never give all the heart? Do you like it?
1: Ah, uh, no. Oh. Well, no, I did not. Let's just, I'll just say it flat out. I did not. Is Tom not completely overstepping in this scene? Like his assignment was to make this number more up tempo, where we feel things he decided to restage and direct the lead of the show and choreograph this entirely new number.
2: That's overstepping. Yes, okay. Watching the show, I was like, oh, no. I mean, the best idea wins, right? Sometimes the best idea wins, and you can be in a room where the best idea wins. Correct. Um, However, maybe the composer staging a number behind the director's back isn't, like, the best.
1: (laughs) No, and especially, like, if I was in this room... I'd be like, yeah, Derek, good job. You should quit. Get out of this room. This is toxic at this point. If that situation happened in a rehearsal room, would that kind of blow up and leaving the show been appropriate or would it have been an overreaction?
2: Well, I think those are two separate things. In my opinion, Derek has the right to blow up, right? Yeah. Tom is going behind his back. Derek has a job to do. He can do that job, right? Mm Mm-hmm. However, considering all of Derek's problems and all of the sexual misconduct allegations and being fired from the Wiz, like maybe you shouldn't quit your Broadway show because, like, <laughs> I don't know if you're going to have another job. I mean, it turns real. Out, yeah, it, it turns out the hit list is like
1: gonna be fine. Gonna
2: come around the corner and in a moment. Yeah. But if I, I mean, I understand that he's frustrated and he's been frustrated by this sinking ship that is Bombshell. I mean, like, like, what's the entire
1: episode about, right? The entire episode is about compromising your art for the crap that's around you, right? Like, this is Ivy's entire plight with Terry Falls. This is Julia's issue with whether she goes to London with Peter or stays with Bombshell. And then Derek's issue is he's watching the show that he used to love be ruined by this newcomer. Newcomer meaning Jerry. And this person that he thought was on board with his vision is clearly not. I guess. So he's at the end of his row.
2: Yeah, I guess I I believe what you're saying, that there was a point where the show that they're working on now is not the show that Derek signed up for. Yes, it's Mm -hmm. a Marilyn musical, but it is the bright technicolor, not the dark. Option. And he just had sort of dangled in front of his face the kind of Maryland musical he wanted to create.
1: Yes. And it got then it got snatched from him. Right. Was it sensical? Yes. Was it sensible? Maybe not.
2: Mm, Look at you. (laughs) What did you think of the liaison's presentation?
1: It was lush. It was very lush. I have never in my life seen a press day be that well produced.
2: Yeah, I feel like on a press day... People are like, oh, I'm going to dress up cute or let's all wear black. Yeah. But like full costumes and wigs. Wigs. I was like, oh. The room is decorated like all those empty picture frames that are along the outside walls. Like, okay, wigs and costumes, you have to build those for the production, right? There's a world where you'd be like, oh, maybe those exist. But the idea that they've created a set for the press preview, I was like, calm down. Calm down, yeah, Pa. And that's where I'm
1: just like, this is for comedy, right? Like- sure.
2: I mean, at least the drama is the drama. But I I feel like Terry Falls is such a outlandish character that I'm just annoyed by him rather than into his storyline. What do you Agreed. think about
1: Terry? Re- Rebecca Duval was this believable outsider coming in. He literally feels like a farce. Mm-hmm. His issues are so out there. That I'm like, this doesn't feel even remotely real or remotely authentic. I
2: think also what doesn't ring true for me is there's no voice of reason in the room. There's no producer. You know, Smash is showing us that the buck stops with the producer and Mm -hmm. that if there is an issue of artistic differences, someone at the top with the money comes in and says, we're going to do it this way or the other way right? Yeah. That's that's the case with Bombshell. But yet with liaisons, it's like the lunatics run the asylum. You're like, who's in charge here? Literally, no one's in
1: charge. And it feels like no one's in charge. And that's why Ivy's having a meltdown, because she's like, wait, I've been here before. I know how this is supposed to go. And this is not how it's supposed to go. Speaking of Ivy, yeah. what do you think of that time-honored tradition that Derek talks about? He says. Everyone expects you to be good in a good show. If you're in a bad show, you stand out. Is that real?
2: That, to me, feels like Catherine Hepburn in Coco bullshit. Like, <laughs> like, it feels like it's of not only another era, but, like, three eras before.
1: Yeah. I don't think that carries through anymore. Because, not to drag any shows, I guess we can drag shows because they're dragging shows. Like, What's a bad show that a good performer has shown through in recent memory, if any, in any memory?
2: Carmen Cusack in Bright Star. I feel like many people had problems with the show or thought the show was just fine, but she was like the reason to attend and she got a, a big bump in her cred in this. Like theater her notoriety. Industry. Yes. Yeah,
1: but again, fine show's different from bad show. Like this show's supposed to be a garbage
2: fire. Baby It's You. How about Baby It's You? Beth Level. Beth Level was the star of Baby It's You. I feel like people thought Beth Level is good in this. Okay. The rest of it is a
1: mess. But like if we go to wow, we're just dragging all kinds of shows. If we go to what was the um Kathleen Gifford show? Scandalous! Scandalous! Scandalous.
2: Like, Carolee Carolee Carmelo. Carmelo is
1: fantastic, but everybody remembers that Scandalous was a wreck. They don't remember that, like, Scandalous was a wreck, but Carolee Carmelo was brilliant in it. Like, that's not a thing, is it?
2: I don't feel that either in the case of Baby It's You or Scandalous that the memory about the leading lady is that they were great. I think the memory yeah. is that they floated above the wreckage. Huh. So that's what he's saying. It, it's not what he's saying. Okay. So I think what he's saying isn't true.
0: He's okay. saying
2: you can be Carmen Cusack in Bright Star in a scandalous. And what, what you and I believe is that you can be Carmen Cusack in a Bright Star, but if you're in a scandalous, the best you can be is a Carolee Carmelo. Yes. We should okay. all hope wow. to be a Carolee Carmelo. <laughs> I dream of being a Carolee Carmelo. I just want to say that. There's no one dragging Carolee Carmelo, Beth Level, or Carmen Cusack through the and mud we're in only this podcast. Dragging,
1: we're only dragging scandalous <laughs> if Kathleen Gifford's not listening. Miss <laughs> Gifford, if you're listening, I love you on the Today Show. <laughs>
2: Wow! (laughs) All right, so let's talk about our third musical. Let's talk about Hit List at the Fringe. Labo M at the Fringe. Let's go. Uh, First impressions. I
1: still don't know what Kyle's doing here, but no,
2: Kyle. I did the book. Jimmy did the music and lyrics. There's no book. There is no book. Right? No book. I'm like at this point, he needs to be
1: the agent for the show. Like he has the people skills to talk to Jesse L. Martin at a bar. Like be the producer. He could be the producer, that too. Well, Jesse L. Martin's gonna be the producer. Or well, is setting it setting it up so that he can produce a version of it. Right. But Kyle, I'm like, you did no book. There was no book.
2: What's funny is that Smash doesn't think we're going to notice those things, but really for the last <laughs> like season and five episodes, it's been telling us this is what a book writer does, this is what a composer does, as what a director does. It's like If there's any
1: educational value (laughs) to Smash, I know what you're supposed to be doing, and you didn't do it.
2: (laughs) You're not doing it right. No. I will say that I like the inclusion of Manhattan Theater Workshop, which is not a real place. Yeah. You know, we have Manhattan Theater Club, and we have New York Theater Workshop. This is like an imagined... Amalgamation of the two. However, I, it does feel more New York Theater Workshop to me because it feels more downtown. That sounds
1: right. There's so many rent vibes going on
2: because
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> Rent started at New York Theater Workshop. Am I remembering that correctly?
2: Rent started yeah. New York Theater Workshop. Peter and the Catcher Once Hades Town. It's like the
1: other public theater. Well, basically,
2: it, it's it's like a scrappier public yeah. theater. I don't know. I walk into the public theater and I'm like, this is. Gorgeous, and when I've gone to New York Theatre Workshop, I'm like, this (laughs) is not (laughs) gorgeous. Fair, that's real. Not that theater has to be created in gorgeous spaces, but it does feel like a sort of scrappier downtown vibe. Mm -hmm. And spoiler alert, the exterior shots for Manhattan Theatre Workshop are actually the exterior of New York Theatre Workshop. Oh, so... So it is... It is definitely giving you a New York Theater Workshop vibe. Oh, so... Between those exterior shots, Jesse L. Martin, the original Collins in Rent. I I do like that this is the trajectory it's going to go on. And to be honest, if we're going to get a musical to go from the Winter Fringe Festival to the Tony Awards in six months' time, probably an imagined (laughs) version of New York Theater Workshop is the way- Oh,
1: for sure. It's definitely the treatment of a new hip bohemian show to go against (laughs) the mega musical that will be Bombshell. Right. Every Wicked needs its Avenue
2: Q. keep up to date with next week's recap be sure to watch season two episode seven of smash musical chairs you can find smash episodes either on the nbc app or at nbc.com the ensemblist was produced today by me mo brady and by me aaron albano there are two great ways
1: you can be helping The Ensemblist right now. One is by leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, and the second is by becoming a Patreon member, which you can do at patreon.com
2: slash The Please follow The Ensemblist wherever you listen to podcasts, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, or on Broadway Podcast Network at bpn.fm. You can also follow us on Instagram. Thanks for listening, guys. Until next time.